Hello and welcome to another podcast from the International Monetary Fund. I'm Bruce Edwards, and this week, fragile states. And these are countries that have deep-seated poverty, high levels of exclusion and inequality, high levels of violence, and poor governance, weak governance. Yaki Sillier heads the Institute for Security Studies in South Africa. He was invited by the IMF to participate in a forum on fragile states during the IMF World Bank spring meetings. The World Bank estimates there are currently around 33 countries in fragile situations, with the majority of them in Africa. The seminar began with finance ministers from Sierra Leone and Rwanda giving their personal accounts of how and why their countries became fragile states. Here's Rwanda's finance minister, Claver Getete. All the countries are different. The situations are different. And I think every country can learn from another country's experience. In the case of Rwanda, let me just start in 1994 when we had a genocide. We faced it when we were already a weak country that has very little infrastructure in terms of social and economic development and governance institutions were not working to the maybe middle-income countries level. It was a typical poor country. But when genocide happened, in just 100 days, we lost a million people. Losing a million people in such a short time is something that you cannot explain. And now when the genocide is stopped, you can imagine the problems. One million people dead, about the same number, held as suspects, half of the population out of the country, displaced. The entire soldiers and militias were also across the borders in Congo and neighboring countries. So we have a situation where we have no social infrastructure, no economic infrastructure. The whole population is traumatized. It is displaced. The war is going on at the same time. And we had no way of collecting money from anywhere. Now, how do you put that situation in place? We are facing security problems. We have governance problems. We have no economy. Where to start becomes a problem. Where the economy had declined by 50%, where inflation is at 65%, there is no hospitals functioning properly, there are no schools, there is nothing. So we had to do a lot of things that will bring unity, that will bring everybody on board to make sure that we can govern. We had to decentralize to make sure that ordinary people can take responsibility from planning the process to the execution process and also deciding on what is good for them. Now the decentralization in Rwanda works properly. The poverty was at 77% in 1995, and now it has come down all the way to below 45%. And the economic growth has been consistent, now on average 8% uh, per year, and this one is going to continue going up. And we are seeing at least the economy having stabilized. I'm Yaki Selia. I'm the executive director and head of the African Futures Project at the Institute for Security Studies. I'm based in Pretoria, South Africa. Well, there are very different scenarios. The case study of Rwanda that we heard about, which has really become a kind of a poster child of what many would refer to as an authoritarian development model, but it's working very well in, in Africa. If you look at the human development indicators in Rwanda and another example, which is often quoted, Ethiopia, these are countries that are doing remarkably well by any stretch of the imagination. Rwanda, of course, came from uh, genocide, and it's, it's, a, it's a unique case, and I don't think one should easily 
easily generalize about that. The other example that we spoke about today was, was Sierra Leone. Yeah, um, Finance Minister Kaifala Mara talked about uh, Sierra Leone's experience. where Which was hit by um, Ebola, fall in commodity prices, and various other challenges that um, presented it with its specific uh, um, uh, issues. It, it, Sierra Leone is more of a traditional kind of a, of a fragile state, um, but in recent years, before Ebola hit, it was doing very well. Fragility, distinguished ladies and gentlemen, is self-reinforcing. You know, one year ago, about this time, we were referred to as one of the fastest growing economies. We really were doing well. We anticipated that our growth by the end of this year will be 11.3%. When I was appointed Minister of Finance, inflation was 12%, brought it down to 64 but just about this time then, something happened. Three shocks. And do not forget that just about this period, the UN had closed the UN mission. The vote was that Sierra Leone was becoming a resilient country. By then, we are participating in peacekeeping efforts in other economies, and we had concluded three successful elections. So we are on the right path. Three shocks came. Three things, just three things. One. Iron ore prices plummeted. Aha, uh -huh, then trouble started. Secondly, two of the major mining companies that were driving that particular sector suffered because of the plummeting prices. And third, Ebola. So what happened? We lost revenue about 70 million US dollars. We were isolated by the rest of the world. Flights stopped coming in. Our whole health infrastructure collapsed. Agriculture, 30% export dropped. Manufacturing, 50% dropped. It permeated everything. We lost thousands of lives. Today, we have nearly 1,000 widows, about 3,000 orphans, about 300,000 households affected. And so we find ourselves in a situation where we look back and we sit around the table with our partners and ask what went wrong. It reversed everything, went back to where we were. Reason why I say that fragility is self-reinforcing. But that's the nature of, of fragility, and that is that countries uh, are trapped in this sort of syndrome of fragility. So they go in and out of fragility, but they can't really escape from it. To escape from it, they need sustained levels of, uh, of growth over you know, a decade or two. Because the challenge that lies at the heart of fragility is, in actual fact, poor governance or weak governance. That's where it all comes together. And fragile countries are countries that uh, suffer from all these symptoms and they reinforce one another. Because they are poor, they can't build capacity. And because they can't build capacity, they consistently fall back into cycles of violence because they don't have the funds to um, spend on, for example, um, building the security systems or the institutions. Now, this is a summarized version of what we believe is the essential issue, which is really it's uh, fragile countries in much of Africa is the story of, of state formation. And um, our characteristic of, uh, of deeply fragile countries is the same as saying that these countries are trapped in a – still busy with the process of, of state formation. Uh, we refer to it as a delayed process of state formation. And, and this takes time. Uh, we just think about, you know, historical examples. But that's really the main challenge in Africa, which is a governance challenge. 
do demographics play a role here? Uh, I mean, with such a huge population expansion happening in Africa, are they more prone to instability? Population structure is quite closely related to levels of instability. Societies with large numbers of young people are much more conflict-prone, whether it is war-like or whether it is a crime. Um, war and crime are generally done by young men. Uh, Africa is in the sweet spot when it comes to instability. Um, and there's actually quite a bit of research that's done that shows that uh, in the uh, youth bulge, which is you know about from 15 to 29 years of age, uh, countries experience high levels of crime and there are uh, and higher levels of internal armed conflict. Um, so uh, population structure itself, beyond the challenges of urbanization, uh, joblessness, inequality, is a structural cause of instability about which uh, very little is written. Uh, it's just where we are in uh, the, the development curve, and uh, it takes time. So how do you think this will affect uh, overall growth in Africa in the coming years? Africa will continue to grow. Middle class is growing, urbanization, population, a variety of factors that um, that would appear to indicate that Africa is on a really a positive uh, trajectory. Our point simply is that it is not uniformly positive. There are a number of countries that will do exceptionally well. There are others that will muddle along. And then there are others that uh, are going to need lots of assistance. And these, in our, in our view, are, the, are the, those that are caught up in a syndrome of fragility, as we refer to it. That was Yaki Sillier from the Institute for Security Studies in South Africa speaking about fragile states. You'll find the webcast of the panel discussion on exiting fragility at imf.org. And if you like the music you're hearing, well, so did we when Jabali Africa performed during the IMF World Bank Spring Meetings. You'll find lots more music on their website at jabaliafrica.com. That's J-A-B-A-L-I, Africa with a K, dot com. Meanwhile, you can hear more podcasts like this one at soundcloud.com slash IMF dash podcasts. Why?